Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Well, friends, it's really great to be with you today. This has been quite a journey through Lent, hasn't it? And I wonder, as we walk toward Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday, how Jesus has been inviting you to walk with him. Our theme, Behind Closed Doors, represents this invitation of Jesus to go down behind, into our heart, into our minds, into places that we don't often go, to maybe have conversations that we don't often have and explore some territory that we don't often see. How's it been going for you? What have you been discovering? What are some of the ways you've been responding to what Jesus has been saying? I encourage you to open up and share with those who are around you. This will be particularly powerful for those of you who've taken up the practice of spiritual friendship, where you regularly meet with someone to discuss your life in Christ. And I encourage you to begin talking about what you're discovering in this teaching of Jesus right here at Lent, how you're being challenged, maybe how you're struggling, maybe some of the ways that you need advice for how you're responding to Jesus' teaching, from giving to prayer to fasting to money. Jesus has already covered a lot of territory, and he's teaching us what following him looks like in life. And grappling with us during Lent is such a significant way that we can grow together. Well, today, in the last section of verses in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus leads us right down to our very core, to the very depths of what makes us tick, to some of the the closest concerns that drive our days, that sway our thoughts, to the very worries that dominate our thinking and actions. And he does it by commanding us not to worry. Well, before we even get to that teaching, let's try for a little honesty first. What are you worried about today? What has got you feeling a bit frantic or anxious? What concerns are pressing in on you? Or or maybe what concerns are around you, family members and friends, and they keep foisting them on you? Can you name them? Maybe worries about finances? Or worries about health? Maybe this war has you really concerned. Perhaps you're carrying a lot of worry or concern about your kids, about their future, about their health, about their relationships, about their faith. Maybe one's getting bullied. Or maybe another is stuck in a really bad relationship. Maybe... It's, it's not just one thing, but a whole bunch of little things that have got you very concerned. Maybe 
you're worried because you need a better vehicle or there's this outstanding bill or a nagging injury or a failing spouse. Maybe you are suffering with growing debt and rising inflation or or maybe it's the the political and the and the cultural stuff that's going on that's keeping you awake and you're worried. What is worrying you? I hope you can name a few things right now. And how has that worry been affecting you, like affecting your heart, these concerns that you carry? If you're honest, have they been helping you? Making you more angry? Do you think they're adding wholeness to your life or are they robbing you of joy? In fact, if you could just pick one word to describe how your worries or your concerns have been affecting you, how would you describe them? Friends, we all need this teaching from Jesus today. Every one of us. Because we've all got worries, we've all got concerns, and Jesus wants us to experience freedom, to stop obsessing over them, to not worry. And no matter your background, your circumstance, your personality, your troubles, Jesus has a very clear word for you and for me today. And if we'll hear it, we'll take that word in. If we'll begin to implement it into our lives, it will directly impact not only the quality of our lives, but actually it'll ripple right out to the world around us. You ready to hear this teaching today? Let's pray. Jesus, we are ready to receive what you have for us. And as you teach us today, We want to respond to your teaching by obeying what you're saying. And so lead us now. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, here it is. Matthew's Gospel. It's the first book of the New Testament. Chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Jesus is speaking and he says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink Or about your body, what you will wear. Jesus' command here is clear and unequivocal. Do not worry. Not about your life and your sustenance, not about your body and clothes. And right off the bat, we have to catch something important. I don't want you to miss this. Jesus' command here to not worry, it's actually anchored back into what he just taught us about treasure. He begins by saying, therefore, right? And as I've said before, whenever you see a therefore, you ask what it's there for. And what is it there for? Well, it's there to remind us of what we just heard. We explored this teaching last week. Jesus tells his followers to make sure that they're investing every possible dime they can into God's kingdom concerns rather than tossing good money after bad by wasting it on things that are going to come to rust and ruin before you know it. And if you missed that message, I encourage you to go back and catch it on the Erickson Covenant YouTube channel. But this is what Jesus has just said. I want you to hear how it connects 
to his teaching now about worry. So I'm going to back up a verse, start in verse 24, and then read it together. Here it is. No one can serve two masters, Jesus says. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Jesus' command, do not worry, directly proceeds out of the truth that we cannot, as human beings, serve both God and money. This is impossible, Jesus says. Therefore, Jesus is is saying, as my followers, having incorporated my investment teaching into your lives and made the choice to serve God and not money, Do not worry. Do not worry. Remind yourself just for a moment of one or two of the big things that you worry about. In particular, those things that have to do with your well-being. Concerns you have about your finances or about your future, about your health, about your security, about your provision or your comfort or your retirement or your living. Those things. Got that up where you can see it? Jesus says, do not worry. Now, I don't know. I wonder. Does his command here comfort you? Or does it kind of grate on your nerves? I mean, do you kind of feel like Jesus just started whistling, don't worry, be happy? Like he's saying, Oh, come on, just turn your mind off, stick your head in the sand, kind of adopt a bit of a Pollyanna attitude because, you know, even though the world's burning, if you just don't look, you'll be okay. Is that what we feel Jesus is saying here? I mean, in short, you might be wanting to say at this moment, Jesus, do you really get what's going on in my life? Do you understand what I'm worried about? Because maybe if you did, you wouldn't be so quick to tell me not to worry. But here's the thing. He gets it. In fact, I think it's even worse than that. Let me make it worse. It's one thing for us to be stressed out and worried about things that, well, if we're honest, they can kind of trace back to mistakes we've made. Bad financial decisions or poor relational decisions or or maybe things that have gone on. Recessions have hit and we've lost our job. But in this teaching of Jesus, you could argue At least some of the worries that Jesus is referring to, worries about provision, worries about security, worries about covering the bare necessities of life, like food and clothes. He's not talking about extras here. He's talking about necessary things. That need, Jesus is telling us to worry about, that need might exist precisely because we've started to obey Jesus' teaching about treasure. See what I mean? Jesus told us very specifically to stop investing in pleasures and comforts and security and safety, which is temporary, and instead to start taking our money and making solid kingdom investments, pushing the money out of our own accounts so it can begin to bring healing and restore areas of brokenness in the world that God Loves And as we do that, in obedience to Jesus, as we take our money and give it away generously, 
might we find ourselves suddenly wondering, hey, who's going to take care of us? When we step out in obedience to Jesus and start spending not only our kids' inheritance, but a bit of our own nest egg too, spending that money on the poor so that we can find the lost, so that the church can grow, so the hurting can be healed, might we find ourselves in places where we need some help? Yeah. You might. And Jesus knows this. In fact, this is not a surprise to him at all. He knows that when his followers start living generously with his money, which up to that point they actually thought was their money, but he's changing their minds on that, that their generosity now with God's money toward others will actually lead them into greater dependence on God's care themselves. Imagine that. You know, during our live service last week, in our question and conversation time, Adrian asked the question, well, will our giving pinch? Pinch us? And I think Jesus is answering that question exactly. That when generosity pinches to the point of pain, what then? Well, could it be that it's through this kind of generous living that everyone is able to begin experiencing God's care for them. Those who receive, yes, but also those who give. I mean, could it be that Jesus really wants us to experience personally and tangibly the Father's care for us and that there's actually a connection between our generosity and our trust. Well, look where he takes us next. Jesus goes on and says, Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? And we all kind of answer dutifully, yes, we know life is more than food. Life is more than clothes. But maybe we aren't convinced, so Jesus wants to support his argument by telling us to look at God's care for his creation, birds and flowers in particular. I'll read on. Jesus says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. See what Jesus does here? He uses the common rabbinic argument from what is lesser to what is greater, the how much more argument, to show how God's care for creation, and God most certainly does care about and does provide for his creation, but God's care for creation should bolster our confidence 
in his care for us, his image bearers. He invites us to take a look around and contemplate the birds and you know, meditate on the flowers. And it's a great time of year to practice this, isn't it? Here in the Crescent Valley, the birds are all back and feeling mighty frisky, I might add. And the flowers are beginning to emerge in all of their glory. And as we see them, Jesus says, ask yourself, do I believe that God cares for me more than he cares for these flighty birds? That he delights in me more than he delights in these magnificent flowers? Can I trust God to take care of the things that seem so pressing to me? Jesus is trying to get us He's trying to help us to, to, to be, look away. Look away from our frantic worries and fix our full attention on our faithful God. He's, he's wanting us to understand his eye really is on the sparrow. And we know he watches us. And what's more, Jesus is pressing us into trust because When we worry, when we obsess, when we chase after all these things, we're effectively denying the Father who cares for us. Worry is a way of saying, quite vividly, that we do not, in fact, trust our Heavenly Father to care for us. Worry says that we need to make our own way because no one else will. We need to care for our own needs because no one else will. We need to trust our own resources because there are no other resources coming. We need to pursue our own safety and security because no one else will if we don't. In other words, when we run after all the same things as everyone else is running after, it's a real shame because, friends, those, they were, Jesus would call them pagans here, those who are running after all those things, they don't know that there's a God who loves them, who cares for them, who is providing for them and will provide for them faithfully. And we do know this. And how will others ever discover God's care if the people who do know what God has done for us in Jesus, what God is doing by the Holy Spirit, who do know God's care, don't in fact live it out. Don't live any differently. Don't exhibit a kind of different kind of economy. Don't emulate a kingdom kind of generosity and trust. If we don't show them that God cares through our trust of his care, who will? Jesus is trying to get our vision clear here. Worry steals our joy, it amplifies our stress, but it also robs us of the lived experience of God's care. The God of the universe who sustains all of creation, including birds and flowers, who defeated death through the cross and resurrection and now breathes new creation into us by the Holy Spirit. He can't be trusted with your food, your clothing, your needs. Seriously? That's what Jesus is trying to get us to see. And he's trying to say, look, your father can be trusted. You need to choose to trust him. Well, how? This is where Jesus lands the plane. He brings us back to ground we've already covered. 
Not only should we invest our current resources into his future rewards. Remember the treasure principle? You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. So not only should we invest our current resources in his future rewards, we must seek God's kingdom and righteousness now with the utter confidence that God will cover our current needs. Let's listen to Jesus again, verse 32 and following. The pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What's Jesus saying here? It's actually clear-cut. You make God's concerns yours, and God will make your concerns his. You make God's concerns yours, he'll make your concerns his. He says to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. In other words, make God's priorities your number one concern. First in priority, fill your vision and your heart, your thoughts and your mind with God's concerns. In that sense, and maybe this isn't quite how you should put it, but in that sense, what Jesus is saying, why don't you obsess over God's worries? Well, what are these? What are these priorities of God? God our Father wants everyone, everywhere, without exception, to experience the life-transforming love of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Jesus, our Messiah, wants to see the hurting healed. He wants to see the lonely loved. He wants to see the lost included and the rejected restored, the sinner forgiven, and he wants to see the church lovely. The Holy Spirit wants to initiate new creation in God's world, bringing the Father's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And to accomplish this, God is unleashing us, his people, commanding us to seek this life-restoring kingdom with everything that we are and with everything that we have. And what happens when we do? Jesus makes an ironclad promise here, a promise that calls us into trust. Seek this, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything you've been concerned about will be taken care of. Did you hear that? Jesus is calling us to give up our frantic running after all of our concerns and run hard after God's instead. And God will step in and he'll take care of all the things that we've been so worried about in the first place. Jesus says, you make God's concerns yours and he'll make your concerns his. Will you trust him? Will I? Well, to help you, I want to lead you in a simple practice. A simple practice for exchanging worry for trust. And this is something you can use. You can use it daily if you need to. You can use it whenever you feel like life concerns are crowding out God's kingdom concerns. 
And so I want to invite you into this. This is something you can do, and I hope you'll do it right now wherever you are. This is how we begin. First, I invite you to close your eyes. Close your eyes, and in your mind's eye, begin to visualize your worries or concerns. Now, maybe you have a ton of them. I would suggest you pick a couple of top ones. What are they? Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a a, a relationship. Maybe it's a particular financial concern. Maybe it's a health issue. But name them. And if you can bring them up in your mind visually, do so. Try to see it, that person or that situation in your mind. Now, take your hands and hold them open in front of you. Hold them on your lap. Hold them in front of you. And I want you to visualize putting those worries, those concerns, into your hands. So now you maybe want to open your eyes and look down at your hands and see the worry and the concern that you have in your hand. Imagine that. Now, holding in your hands whatever concern that might be, I want you now to imagine the hands of Jesus reaching toward you from across from you. The hands of Jesus are coming toward you, and in fact, they're moving directly underneath your hands. Can you see this? You're holding your concerns, and the hands of Jesus are right underneath. Now, holding out your hands, filled with all of your concerns and all of your worries and all of your needs, all of your fears, I want you to simply tip them over into the hands of Jesus. You can see your grandsons heading over into the hands of Jesus and, and that bill and, and that, that health concern and that relationship you're worried about. It's, they're all going into the hands of Jesus. Now pull back and imagine now that your hands are empty. But all of your worries and all of your concerns, all the things you've been obsessing over and concerned about, these are now sitting in the hands of Jesus. Do you see him there? Now with your hands empty, I want you to ask Jesus to place his kingdom concerns into your hands. Now, you might not know what that is at this point. I invite you just to sit for a moment. Sit for a moment and tell Jesus, what might your kingdom concerns be for me? Show them to me. Help me see them. And then ask him to fill you with trust. First, trust in the Father's goodness to care for you and these concerns you have. But also, ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit's power to run after God's kingdom and his righteousness. And now, with God's concerns in your hands and all of your worries and concerns in the hands of Jesus, just thank God for his care for all the things you've been concerned about. Thank him for his trustworthiness. Thank him for his promise. Father, we do thank you today. And even as we are together in this way, and we're acknowledging that we have worries and concerns that are now in your hands. And we have in our hands your concerns, God. We thank you for your promise to care for the things that we've been worried about. We ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit's power to run after your kingdom concerns. 
In your name we pray. Amen. Well, there you are. Uh, That's a simple practice that you can use. It's a simple imaginative practice. You can use it every day. You can use it whenever you need to. It's a concrete act of trust in God. It'll help you give up worry for Lent. And I hope maybe you'll find it so good and so life-giving and so kingdom-empowering that you'll want to keep giving up worry for every day after. Friends, Jesus tells us not to worry. He doesn't tell us not to worry because our needs don't matter. He tells us not to worry because we've got a Father who cares. And in the mystery of how he works, Jesus knows that if we will entrust ourselves into God's care and run after his concerns, we'll find ourselves wonderfully and beautifully cared for too. That's just how good our Father is. And what's more, and this is huge, as we seek God's kingdom first and experience God's care, other people will experience it to the healing power of Jesus will flow out of his generous, trusting, kingdom-seeking people, rippling out and restoring more women, more men, more children in more places, among more populations across diverse families and cultures and languages and nations, restoring them to the life that God has given to them through Jesus Christ. As we entrust ourselves into God's care and kingdom, more people will experience God's care and kingdom. And isn't that what life is all about? Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.